Welcome to the Nourished Woman podcast, hosted by yours truly, Gabby Warsrink, holistic nutritionist and passionate women's health educator. Together on this podcast, we are going to open up the conversation around hormones, holistic healing, relationships, self-development, and everything in between, so you can feel empowered, educated, and ready to take your health and life into your own hands. All right, happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the show. On today's episode, I have a super special guest. Her name is Jas Stupak. You may know her as Nourish with Jas on Instagram. And I actually met Jas a few years ago when we were at IHN in Mississauga studying holistic nutrition. And we ended up graduating together in 2018. And it's been really amazing to see her grow her practice as a nutritionist specializing in bloating and gut health. And most recently, she has also become a business mentor for new graduates of nutrition. All right. So welcome to the podcast, Jess, and thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to dive in today and talk about a lot of different topics here. You are a wealth of knowledge in so many different areas, so I think this will be great. For those that um, are listening, they may not know about your journey and what brought you here to specializing in gut health and candida and helping women with their issues. So could you share a little bit about your story and what brought you to becoming a nutritionist? Yeah, for sure. So I, um, before getting into holistic nutrition, I struggled with a lot of headaches and migraines growing up. Um, so I was like always going to the doctors. Um, I was often put on like antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication because a lot of like doctors would just say that this was like also really helpful for migraines. Um, and then obviously like just knowing about that now it's going to cause so much worse. And I just felt like my mental health was definitely super unstable. Um, and so, yeah, I remember one day, like things were really, really bad and I was super scared. And so I went to the doctors and they were telling me that um, like everything was fine. I just needed like stay on my medication. And I, at, I was like begging for tests. And so at one point my doctor let me get like a bunch of tests done and just like going through that process was super scary and everything came back totally fine. Um, so then I started to just like research a bunch of stuff and a lot was coming up for things like maybe it's MSG or gluten that's giving you headaches. And that's something I've never really taken a look at. I always like thought that I was eating okay, but I never really, I guess like growing up, I was never really educated on what was like actually healthy and what wasn't. I come from a very traditional European background. Um, and so like, that's just like not something we really touched on. So yeah, I remember reading like a bunch of stuff about gluten, MSG, um, potentially magnesium helping. So I just started to implement this stuff into my diet and found that it was like completely like I felt so much better. So that was kind of how I got into the space. I was super intrigued, started like changing my diet, doing a ton of research. And then, yeah, I went to IHN. Um, but I feel like my like biggest part of growth and like what has really brought me to where I am today was when I was just finishing school and I was starting to get like these really bad um, digestive symptoms, skin issues. I've never dealt with skin issues in my life. Um, and they were getting really, really bad. And after like seven months of trying to figure out what was going on, I ended up doing the candida and parasite cleanse, 
for about four months or maybe even more than four months. And that literally like helped me completely. So that's kind of like where I felt like I had no hope when I was like going through it. I was so nervous that things were just not going to change. Um, but then, yeah, everything went back to normal. And I feel like I saw a totally different part of holistic nutrition through that, through everything I went through. So now I see a lot of clients for candida and parasite cleansing. And I seriously like, it's like my absolute passion. Like, I feel like that's kind of what has really brought me to where I am today. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I remember when we were in school and you had been going through like those those candida issues and that the skin issues. Um, and I feel like, yeah, you going through that, it's you can help your clients so much more because you've been through that, you've experienced it, and you know what works, you know what doesn't work, and and you can relate to them more, right? I agree. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think like a huge part of it too is. Um, I think, and same with you working with the clients um, for the birth control pill and just hormones in general, I think when you can relate to like the, the one, like your clients, it makes it a totally different experience because you can put yourself back into their spot and really understand like how you felt in that situation. And I think that's why I connect with my clients on like such a deep level because you know exactly how it felt when you were in that position too. So it's it's really cool to be able to help people now with like what we struggled with previously. Mm -hmm, for sure. And I think it gives them a lot of hope too, because a lot of people don't like, they can't fathom that somebody like that's healed or that's, you know, doing so well, like maybe us in that, that case, like they can't fathom that we've been in that spot before. But when you're like, yeah, I've been there. Um, I know exactly how it feels. They're like, okay, so this is possible. I think that giving all that hope is even like a huge part of the journey too. Yeah, I so agree. I love it. Um, okay, so I know that you see um, a lot of clients for obviously gut health and bloating. So what are the most common things that you see clients are doing that they think are really healthy for their gut that maybe has been marketed as really good for your guts, but is really contributing to that bloat or their issues? Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like... There's definitely a lot of things coming to mind. Um, first, I would definitely start with food. I feel like we, um, I don't know how to say this, but like I feel like we're just not very educated when it comes to how to properly, like I feel food is like a totally different topic, like a different world. And so there's things like, for example, kombucha. I know a few years ago when that was like really, really in, it was when you and I were just at like in school and everyone was drinking kombucha. And But in reality, it's like, yes, there's like probiotic in it, but there's also so much sugar. And for it to be on the market, for it to thrive on the market, it has to taste good. And in order to be like appealing to the average individual it has to have like a decent amount of sugar in there too um so i have a few clients who have been doing like whenever we talk about the supplements they're taking kombucha often actually comes up because it's marketed as like good for your gut but i really don't i don't really recommend kombucha to many people unless it's like homemade and or you're buying like super low sugar and organic uh, so I think that's a really big one, especially contributing to bloat, because at the end of the day, that like carbonation in there is still causing like an imbalance in your pH. 
So I would say that's a huge one. Another one I would say is changing from dairy milk to nut milks. Um, I'm all for that. However, I think there are a ton of almond milks and coconut milks out on the market that actually contain worse ingredients in them versus actually just doing like a goat's milk or sheep's milk kind of like alternative from cow's milk. So yeah, I would say that's a huge one. I know when I was going through like my biggest struggles, one of the thing, the last thing I had to take out of my diet was the almond milk because it had like all the gums in it and preservatives. So it's really interesting when you start to just look into all that stuff. And then the other thing that I would say when it's like food related is just like the whole um, kind of goes into like greenwashing, but just like shopping for packaged foods that say gluten-free, vegan, keto, paleo. I think it's it makes us kind of like feel better purchasing something like that because it has these words on it. But in reality, when you turn it around, there's so many other ingredients in there. Um, and also at the end of the day, like regardless of what it is, if it's packaged, it's not going to be as good as let's say fruits and vegetables. Like I think we often forget how powerful those are and the fact that like those can be a snack. We don't always have to be having like a 15 gram protein bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is honestly a good point. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know. I think like with food, it's, it's a hard topic for people to kind of digest because there's so many different like diets and restrictions um, ingredients are super intimidating to look at so yeah, I would say just like really I guess like my advice would be just like really sticking to the basics of what we're eating and trying to if you can't if you don't have to buy packaged to like stay away from it that is such a good tip honestly I think that just takes out like all of the confusion and stress and like complication out of it when you just literally just eat whole foods no ingredients yeah exactly mm -hmm. and I think it's also like so hard to do because mm -hmm. um like I fall not not to say I fall for this but I love like trying new like new things out on the market or if it says it's like keto like mm -hmm. there's like keto chocolate out there and I'm not keto at all um but I just like, I want to try that out and see what it tastes like. So it's like, yeah, it's hard to go back to the basics, I think. Yeah, I think because we're so used to just always having processed packaged foods and just like, they're so good with their marketing, right? They they have these buzzwords that are like, ooh, that sounds really good. And like, even, mm -hmm. yeah, like we kind of are like, we're interested in it too. And we kind of, we know what the what the industry is like, but they they catch you with these buzzwords. For sure. And I think um, that's something else I was going to mention is um, something that I find that can be contributing to bloat is just like, I notice a lot of my clients will come to me when we first start working and they have like a set diet that they work, uh, that they eat. So for example, keto is super popular right now. Um, I, I mean, it was really popular a few years ago, but I still think it's pretty high up there. To be honest, though, with like quarantine and everything, I feel like everyone is just really going back to just like nourishing their bodies and that's it, like not labeling their diets, which is really crazy and also really nice to see. Um, but I do think when it comes to keto, like 
a lot of us don't realize how hard that can be on our digestive systems, not to mention like the heavy impact it has on the gallbladder and the liver if we're not doing it properly Mm -hmm. Um, as well too. Like I think keto is a great diet for those who actually will thrive on it, um, especially for mental health and the fact that it was like first brought for um, those with epilepsy. But the fact that a lot of us use it for weight loss is, I just, I don't agree with it because we're completely changing our fuel source from carbs to fat and the impact it has on the digestive system can like, can honestly be detrimental. Yeah. And the people that are doing it usually aren't doing it with like a practitioner out of overseeing them and, and monitoring everything. Cause you have to really make sure, like, like you said, it's so hard on your liver and gallbladder. You have to make sure like, are those organs functioning properly? Or like, are you, you know, t- taking measures to support them or else, you know, you're going to have a ton of issues after. Exactly. And I think, um, what's actually funny is I, feel like a lot of us before seeing a practitioner kind of like self-diagnose a diet on us versus when you see a practitioner, at least for myself, I don't think I've ever given someone a diet to follow unless they're doing a cleanse. But um, yeah, I think it's, we kind of feel like we have to have a diet going on, whether it's vegan, keto, paleo. Mm -hmm. But when you're working with a practitioner, it's like, okay, let's just bring it back to basics. Yeah, I totally agree. That's what I've been doing with like basically all of my clients. I'm like, eat what makes you feel good. Try to eat real whole foods and try not to overcomplicate it because that's what we seem to be doing with all these labels and diets and trends and everything. Yeah, I I agree with you. Mm-hmm. So on the top, I know we mentioned greenwashing really briefly. So um, for those of you that follow Jess, you might be familiar with her series of greenwashing. So essentially she assesses brands and and kind of deciphers their packaging to see if their ingredients actually match up with what they're kind of claiming. Um, So could you explain a little bit about what greenwashing is and why we should be cautious when buying certain products that are marketed like natural or organic? Yeah, so greenwashing is basically, um, to put into simpler terms, it's seeing like buzzwords, as you mentioned, so gluten-free, dairy-free, organic, natural, natural is a huge one, um, on the front of the package. And then when you're actually turning it around, there's a ton of ingredients that don't really fit those buzzwords. Um, So for example, it's as if like, you're going to the store and you find let's say like, let's use like the keto chocolate. Um, and you see like it has all of these, like it has key, it's keto, um, low sugar, like this and that organic. But then if you turn it around, there may be a ton of other ingredients in there that are kind of hiding in that product that the company's not necessarily disclosing on the front of the package. So it's a really like, I don't even want to say good, but like, I guess, sneaky, like marketing tactic that a lot of companies use to kind of trick the consumer into purchasing something that they believe is really just embodying the words that are on the package versus what's actually in the product. Mm-hmm. So it's very and, deceiving then for the for the um, person who's purchasing it. Exactly. And especially because like, Um, I don't think like we really, when it comes to labels, it's a super, like, it's a super difficult topic to understand and learn. I don't think there's enough education out there when it comes to understanding what is on a label, what should be on a label, 
the product or the ingredients that are in there and what they mean. So um, a lot of people will fall for these. And I for sure, like, this was like, I was so, I was like, I would buy everything that said gluten-free, vegan, all of that, because I thought that it was healthier. Or even like, if we go back a few years ago, um, the whole 100 calorie snack packs, those were so popular. Mm -hmm. And I would eat those all the time thinking that they were healthy. And it's like, okay, yeah, let's have this like 100 calorie snack pack versus like something as simple as like celery and hummus but because it says a hundred calories on that product we're automatically thinking oh my god it's like so much healthier it's only a hundred calories like and it's it's crazy what it does to our minds like we really start to believe that it's healthy um so yeah I think why it's so important to understand greenwashing and watch out for it is really because of the fact that you don't know what you're putting into your body and you need to really be careful with what ingredients you are consuming because it can be like a contributing factor to your health concerns. Mm -hmm, For sure. It's funny. I was just having a conversation with my client this past week and she was like, yeah, I was looking through like all my stuff in my cupboard that I thought was mostly healthy, but she says most of the stuff had like canola oil in it or it had like um, natural flavors or just these weird additives that, you know, aren't, we know aren't good for us, but because the product was organic or natural, or it was, you know, marketed as healthy, she didn't realize that until she flipped it over and looked at it. And I think that's happening to so many people. Like you said, they're, they think they're doing good with what they're purchasing and then they're, it could be contributing to their health concerns or their symptoms. Yeah, it's so true. And I even noticed like, the smallest kinds of ingredients, like those are really going to make a huge difference when you're struggling with something like hormonal imbalance or digestive issues like IBS, especially you want to be so careful with. Um, but yeah, another thing that I researched and looked into, I don't know if it's like a hundred percent accurate, but um, I did read that. So, for example, um, you know how oftentimes when you're reading like a label for let's say food and it says artificial flavoring, it's typically the last uh, ingredient in the product, but apparently depending on the ingredient, it, you can put it wherever you want. Like, so if like, let's say it was actually like fourth on the ingredient list, it can actually just show up on the last part of the ingredient list so that it looks like it's like the least amount in there. Uh, So it's like, labels are like another world it's there's a lot of like there's a lot to learn with them and I I feel like even for myself I I get so stumped sometimes too just like not understanding what's on there yeah for sure and I think there's so many like these companies like you said they have so many different ways of like moving things around or not having to disclose certain things which again like we don't really get the full story when you're actually reading a label you don't really know what's what's in there yeah, it's it's crazy and I think like with health becoming such a um like hot topic now it's really like health is really becoming so popular and with like matcha, activated charcoal, uh all of that stuff is becoming so mainstream and I think that's when we have to really really be cautious is when you like notice a trend is coming up like for example the keto thing again. Um a lot of products yeah, they're keto but like the 
what's actually inside of it is probably not what you want to be consuming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tons of like sugar alcohols or weird flavoring Mm -hmm. things, synthetic stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you find that you get um, affected by sugar alcohols? Yeah. I honestly don't like the taste of them. Like there's been yeah. some bars, like I, I used to eat, um, oh, they're a keto bar. I forget the name of them. It's not the Susie's. It's the other um, good to go. Is that what it's called? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Good to go bars. Yeah. So I did like the texture of them, but they use, I think they use erythritol, which I mm-hmm. don't like the, there's a weird aftertaste for me, but also like, I do notice that I get like some bloating with it and it's just, I don't know. I'd rather have like honey or like maple syrup as like a sweetener. Yeah, I I agree with you. I find like for myself, like even any bars that I really eat, like I'm not gonna, like I can definitely say that I some I experience bloat with them because I feel like it's just there's also so many ingredients in them. So I don't know. I'm yeah. I prefer to just like make my own or use honey or maple syrup, like you said. Yeah, exactly. I know. I used to be like a huge bar person, like when I was in mm-hmm. school, like it was just so easy to grab, especially when we're like, you're commuting and stuff. And like now I've completely stopped eating bars and I just like, yeah, like I make homemade stuff or I'll just eat like an actual meal instead. And I've noticed a huge difference with just cutting that out and cutting out too, like the nut milks and things that you had mentioned before that, you know, were healthy, like labeled as healthy, but they actually have like all these weird gums and fillers in them that, you know, are probably contributing to your bloating, your Mm -hmm. digestive issues or your hormonal issues. Yeah, it's crazy. Do you make your own nut milk? Um, I've just been doing coconut milk. So I just do like the canned coconut milk and put it into like a thing. I know you do that too. I think I've seen you do it. Yeah, I love that. It's so easy. And I feel like it's just, you're actually getting the benefit from the coconut versus buying like a coconut milk from like another brand. And it's like, (laughs) there's like seven ingredients with yeah. it yeah and it's mostly like water so it's not even like creamy and and good mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it gets frustrating when you're like down the the nut milk aisle or just the milk aisle and you're just like okay I, all these ingredients are horrible like what do I do I know yeah. and it makes it so hard to also like be able to tell your client clients which ones to get because yeah. it's so intimidating going down that aisle or even just like you know, the healthy food section of Zaris or Metro, there's so much in there that I don't think should be in that section. Um, But yeah, at the end of the day, I just think the best thing we can do is just focus on whole foods. Yeah, I think that's probably the easiest way to describe it because there's like, it can be so many like rules and things, but just yeah, simple whole foods is just the easiest way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay, so back on to the greenwashing thing. So Uh, We talked a little bit about greenwashing with the food industry. So could you talk a little bit about um, like the personal care products and like what are some of the biggest ingredients that you tell clients to avoid or you look to avoid um, in those products? Yeah, so there's definitely a few that I think are top of the list. Um, When for personal care products, when we're thinking about things like um, like skincare, shampoo and conditioner, um, like toothpaste and everything, some of the ones that I would say to be super cautious of would be um, SLS. That's a like a foaming agent found in probably like almost every toothpaste. Um, so I would definitely stay away from that. BHT and BHA are also super commonly found in pretty much all like personal products. 
I've seen them in skincare, um, like sunscreens, shampoos. <laughs> okay, actually, this is so crazy. I remember watching a YouTube video and like I used to be so into watching like YouTube like beauty tutorials and I was watching like one of my favorite girls on there and this is when I just started IHN and I just started learning about BHA and BHT and she was like showing one of her favorite products and it was called BHA and like I look at that it was called that yeah it's like this beautiful pink and white packaging called BHA (laughs) and so I looked it up and it obviously has BHA but it was like I can't remember what it was fully called it was like BHA 103 so it was kind of like a catchy like cool name and I just couldn't believe it like when I saw that I was like okay I need to like actually start doing more research because this is crazy um right isn't that crazy so yeah so I would say BHA and BHT you want to be careful with because they are used as preservatives in food like there a ton of um, cereals have it and same with like personal care products and you want to be careful with that because it's a preservative but can actually um, I can't remember what the full like term of it is but it's an it can be at the end of the day like an endocrine disruptor disruptor Mm -hmm. Um, so I always stick to like I always teach my clients that one to stay away from um, talc is a really popular one that they use in makeup. And, um, I don't even know why they're allowed to be using talc in products it's still. my mind. <laughs> right? It's crazy. Like lawsuits um, with like, uh, Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, my mom actually works for Johnson and Johnson. And I remember when that whole thing came out, it was like a huge issue. Yeah. Um, so it's crazy just to see like the backside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the other one that's really coming to mind that I always talk about is the fragrance side of it. So um, you will often find in products that it says fragrance at the end of the product um, for the ingredient list. However, like I mentioned before, it could potentially be somewhere in between those ingredients. It doesn't have to be the last thing in that product. Um, And the scary thing with fragrance is that it can actually mean upwards of a thousand different ingredients and they don't, that company doesn't have to disclose them. So it could be like fragrance could easily be the issue, the one that's like really contributing to your hormonal imbalance, but you have no idea because you have no idea what ingredients are in that little like subcategory so that one's really freaky um but one thing I would say is I've actually done this quite a bit um if I'm going through like a ingredient list and I see fragrance I'll actually call the company um and a lot of people do this so it's like totally normal it sounds crazy but it's normal um and you can just ask the company like you're looking for more information on fragrance because you have like these sensitivities and if they're like willing to tell you what's in it that's great but a lot of companies will just be really like weird about it and I feel like that itself just gives you like the answer you're looking for yeah that's like a huge red flag if they don't want to tell you or I know I think Mm -hmm. you mentioned this before in one of your videos but like if it's you go on their website and it's super hard to find the ingredients to begin with that's a huge red flag (laughs) 
Yeah, it's crazy. So I've gone through like a ton of different websites and it's so funny because it'll be like all natural. That's always the first like mm-hmm. greenwashing um, term that I see. And it's always like the first one I kind of like put a red flag on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever like you go on the website and you have a hard time actually looking for the legit like ingredients, the non-medical, you will like if you are having that hard time, it's like, it's definitely something to be cautious of. Um, A lot of the time you actually have to like, straight up like search for it on the website. It doesn't just like show up, but it will show all of the natural like oils and all the great stuff. So a lot of people kind of just stop there and are like, okay, amazing. This is so natural. It's going to help with my eczema or um, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But then when you're searching a bit more and you find the actual ingredients, it's really scary that companies are able to do that. Yeah. It's like they cherry pick like, oh, these like jojoba oil and like avocado and like these certain ingredients sound so nice. Mm -hmm. And then you actually read the ingredients list and you're like, wow, this does not look like, you know, a natural cream or something. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. And then in terms of like feminine hygiene, um, when it comes to like pads and tampons, um, if you're not using the Diva Cup, I would for sure say like you want to be so and I feel like Gabby, you know so much about these. Mm -hmm. um, But you want to be super careful with like, the ones who uh, for the ones that like first always buy organic and unbleached. Um, And then I believe you were saying before the like fragrance ones, like, I don't know how that's allowed. Like who thought this was a good idea? So yeah, I would just like buying organic and unbleached. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to, you would add to that one? Um, Yeah. I think fragrance is, is probably like number one, like that's huge. Like you said, there's thousands of ingredients that can be under it. And I read somewhere, I don't know where it was. I need to like learn more, dive more into this. It's hard though, because there's not a ton of studies on this, but um, even like non-scented or unfragranced products can have like a fragrance in them. There's some sort of chemicals. Yeah. So I don't know, like you, you don't really know unless you're like getting a brand that's super transparent that you can trust. But otherwise, like if they're not going to disclose what it's in there, I feel like you can't really a hundred percent trust them. Yeah. It's so true. You just like, you have to be really careful. And I think what I would recommend for someone who's like really new to this kind of stuff is maybe just shop at a health store because they're typically they will have like nutritionists in there or people who are educated when it comes to labels. And hopefully they can kind of give you some guidance on what is clean and what isn't clean. Um, I think Instagram is a really great place to also look for more information, but you also want to be really careful that with Instagram, it's an incredible platform for getting like tons of information and learning. Um, But at the end of the day, like if you care enough, you will do the research. Yeah, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Like you can go to different resources and people for like their advice and their insight. But again, you kind of have to just look at all the data and then make the best uh, decision for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes it's not going to be the cleanest product because that doesn't fit your budget or you're still getting used to it or like you're, you still aren't sure of how to read labels. That's okay. It just as long as you are being mindful of what you are purchasing, I think that's all that really matters. It takes time to figure out what works for you. And Mm -hmm. 
you know, what actually works with your body. Yeah. And it's definitely a slow process, you know, like just starting, like you, you slowly change each product and try to get a better one and see if it works for you. And if it doesn't, then you got to just kind of experiment, I guess. Yeah, it's so true. I actually remember when I was at in school, um, I was like in the process of changing all of my makeup and my skincare. And it's like, it's super expensive to just be like, yep, I'm going to leave my half, like my bottles that I barely touched and then grab like all the um, natural makeup. What I would recommend doing is like, just every time you get a paycheck, just give yourself like, I don't know, $30 to purchase something new when you're running low. Because if you do it all at once, it's overwhelming. But it's also it's so unsustainable. Because like, even I don't know, I just feel like if we're throwing out everything, maybe it doesn't have the best ingredients in there. But at the end of the day, if you're not giving it to someone like sustainability starts at the cash register. And I think we need to also be mindful of that and not purchasing so much and just letting it sit there. Yeah, for sure. And it's like finishing up one bottle of something is not going to kill you. You know, it's like, okay, we'll finish it up. We'll pick something better next time. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I remember in school, like it, it made you just want to like throw out all your stuff and get everything new. And I've definitely spent a lot of money on new products and God knows what. I know it's so crazy. Yeah. What would you say, just out of curiosity, um, what would you say was like the hardest thing to switch over, or like the hardest thing um, that you found was like what you found was hard to switch over because of like consistency or anything like that? Um, I would say it was hard to find a good toothpaste at at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I've literally tried like so many. I think my favorite is the Himalaya one, which I think you posted right. about too. That's a really good one. Yeah. We, um, yeah. we had one, uh, like a sensitive green beaver one that my mom had bought. And like in quarantine, we were like, okay, well we're out. We have to, I guess, just use this one. And it was horrible. Like it just, your mouth didn't feel <laughs> fresh. And I was like, oh no. I know. Toothpaste is so hard to find. It is. Yeah. But once you find a good one that's like also fluoride free and like, you know, free of SLS and all that, it's like, okay, amazing. Yeah, I know. Even like, um, cause I live in, I'm in Ontario right now, but I live in Kelowna with my boyfriend and we were just like using like whichever one we had at home cause we were traveling. And then we switched over to the Himalayan. He was like, I actually prefer this over like any toothpaste I've ever used. Like it's, you feel mm-hmm. super clean. Um, from yeah, that one. Nice. but um I would say yeah something that I found was so hard and I still struggle with it is um like shampoo and conditioner I feel like mm-hmm. the natural ones obviously they're great and so clean but I find because my hair is so like um thick and curly it keep it like dries my hair out mm-hmm. I had trouble with it's that weird. too um the ones I'm using right now are by the Andalou brand Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think you can get it at most like health food stores. I think like Zares and like Superstore even has that brand now too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get it at like Winners and Home Sense. I mean, like right now we can't, but um, <laughs> when it's usually open, you can. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to, I'll try that one next time then. I use our um, Korean Organics and I love it, but I just find in the summertime, it's really dry in Kelowna. So I find that my hair is just like, <laughs> feels like a freaking fro. <laughs> 
And it's a struggle of finding products. Yeah. I know, like, so I found that a lot of the natural ones were like they don't clean your hair 100%. Because, like, I have thick hair too, and so does my mm-hmm. sister. And it's just like they weren't strong enough. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. Like, sometimes, um, hopefully, this doesn't like make anyone not want to go the natural route, but I find sometimes <laughs> it like it takes a while to get used to. Like, sometimes I feel like my hair is cleaner when I don't wash it and then use yeah. The natural stuff. Yeah, it definitely takes like a little bit to figure out like your groove and like products and routine and everything. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've talked about like greenwashing and food and personal care products. So um, if you guys didn't, don't know, also, Jas is like the supplement queen. She's always posting really informative uh, posts about like ingredients and comparing like, you know, drugstore brand uh, supplements to. Uh, like the higher end, better quality ones. So what are some of the big ingredients that you also look to avoid in supplements? So I would say um, first, like right off the bat, um, one that's like really coming to mind is if you are taking like a multivitamin or whatever it is and it's colored, be cautious because if it's like drugstore brand, I would definitely take a look at the ingredients because oftentimes there's either red or blue light color, which are artificial colors and supplements. And um, it's funny because we automatically, like we don't actually think of that um, being an issue. Like it seems so normal that our vitamins are colored, um, but you should be getting one that's like not even like white, just like off white or like just super natural looking. There should be no color to it. So oftentimes when I see that, I do think it's kind of a red flag as well. You'll find a lot of supplements that actually contain aspartame or sucralose in them, which again are artificial sweeteners, um, just especially when you're doing something like a liquid or a gummy formula and especially for kids, which again is like so concerning because we're purposely taking these supplements to better our health, but little do we know that there's artificial ingredients in there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a lot that goes into um, supplements like BHT again, super, super common. I actually see more supplements that have this than don't um, in comparison to like, at least in the drugstore world. Um, cornstarch is a huge one. Sunflower and canola oil, probably like all drugstore brands have those two ingredients. Talc, again, is a huge one. And then one that I would say is really important to take a look at is folic acid. So this one is, this might be like a new concept for some people, but um, folic acid is actually the synthetic version of folate. So whenever you are shopping for supplements, especially if it's something like a multivitamin or a prenatal, make sure that you're actually shopping for folate, not folic acid. And you can check the back of the bottle because typically, like, for example, natural factors, I believe it says folic acid on the front of the bottle. And when you turn it around, it says folate. Um, But just be cautious because a ton of drugstore products actually just say folic acid on the back and you do not want to be taking that especially if you are using it as like a prenatal 
Yeah. It honestly blows my mind that the prenatals the doctors recommend are all folic acid and they straight up don't know the difference between like, like a methylfolate, like folate and then folic acid. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so scary. Like I remember, um, a few, yeah, a few months ago, I actually posted like a prenatal thing on my feed, um, of like two prenatals that I would, or a prenatal I'd recommend and a prenatal that you shouldn't be taking. And I got so many messages and DMs about women saying like, oh my God, I can't believe that. Like my doctor prescribed this one to me. Like, and it's just, it's scary because Mm -hmm. you like, we automatically think that when it's prescribed by, by our doctor, we should be safe. Like, but I don't know. It's, Mm -hmm. I'm all for Western medicine. There's a time and place for it for sure. But again, I think a huge part of it is that like, we need to be doing the research. I always say to my clients, like, here's your protocol, here's your meal plan, but please do your research before taking anything. Because at the end of the day, we can only guide you. You need to look out for yourself too, right? Yeah, 100%. You're, you have to be the advocate of your Mm -hmm. own health. Exactly. And like I have some of my clients will be like, okay, so then why should I, why am I taking this? Or, um, I read this, can I take this with blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, I love that you're asking me this because you're just like teaching yourself how to really like be the forefront of your health and your well being. Um, and I think just doing those like, like, um, supplement recommendations and stuff, people are really starting to notice that. The supplement world isn't as um, like clean as we think it is. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot. There's not many like regulations or like uh, mandatory testing. So it's really up to uh, the companies to be, you know, you know, be actually putting good ingredients in and maybe getting third party testing and stuff like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think clients just need to, or people in general, asking questions is probably the best thing that you can do for in any area of your health. Yeah. And I think um, even like what I would say too is if, again, like you're really, really new to the supplement world, um, go to a health store and like buy your products from there because there are a lot of like heavy regulations that supplements need to go through in order to go into a health store. And another thing that I really like want to mention too is to be mindful that every supplement will work so differently in everybody's body. So if you see somebody promoting a supplement online, especially don't automatically just think it's going to be helpful for you too. It's actually so dangerous just to like take someone's recommendations without doing your own research on it and knowing that it's actually beneficial to you. There's so many things that you need to really consider because I do think that we often just take the information off of Instagram and prescribe it to ourselves when in reality there has been so many issues with that. And I just think like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we need to just be really careful when taking any kinds of supplements. Yeah. I think there's like a huge misconception that anything like natural is safe, but that's definitely not the case because we know that these natural compounds can cause issues in some people in like mega doses or, you know, depending on like pre-existing health conditions or, you know, other medications they're taking and things like that. Exactly. I also too, like um, one of the most common like DMs that I often get is um, like, hey, what kind of multivitamin do you think I should be taking and like what brand? And I think another thing we need to consider too is that 
we don't all need to be taking supplements. They don't serve a purpose in everyone's life. And so first off, like with multivitamins, I don't really, I personally prefer B vitamins. Um, Mm -hmm. but I just don't think like, I, I think it almost makes us feel better when we're taking a supplement, but we don't need to be doing that. So um, again, it's so personal. Some people might need three different supplements to, again, like supplement their diet. Other people don't need to worry about it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I feel like supplements are probably like the number one question I get. And like same with the DMs, like people are always asking like, should I take this supplement or is this good for me? And it's like every person's so different. And that's why you take like an in-depth intake form or, you know, you you have these specific supplements that you trust or brands that you trust. Um, so I know that you came out with a supplement ebook to kind of educate people about that. Could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I am so excited about this ebook. So um, I basically took every, like literally every single question I've been asked about supplements within the past like few months, screenshotted it and basically put it in this ebook. Um, So we go through all of the like ingredients that you shouldn't be Uh, the ingredients that you should be looking for when it comes to like a supplement, um, especially things like what I mentioned, but also um, drugstore brands, which ones you should and shouldn't be buying. We also go through like all of the vitamins and minerals. So you know which ones to take, how to take it, when to know you're deficient, how much you should be taking, um, as well as like things like probiotics, green supplements, um, sports supplements, and then a bunch of supplement recommendations for various ailments. So things like digestion, um, PMS, travel, skin, all of that kind of stuff. And they're all like very, um, I don't want to say basic, but um, I guess like, I guess, yeah, like it's not going fully in depth. Like I definitely don't talk about like hormonal imbalance or anything that's super specific to that person, because I do think if you're suffering with hormonal imbalances, you really need to get guidance from a practitioner who understands and can help you through that. Because like, it's not something you can just self-diagnose yourself and prescribe. Um, But yeah, we go through a lot in the, in the ebook, there's a ton of discounts for everyone who purchases it, purchases it as well. Um, So just over 50 pages of like really valuable information about supplements. That's amazing. That honestly, it sounds like you cover like everything, like all the basics. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. And the feedback has been so amazing with it too. Everyone who does purchase it as well gets my email. So if you ever have questions about supplements, brands, how much to take, all of that stuff, you can send me an email. And I think that's really important because when you're buying an ebook, you want to also make sure that you are supported through it. And I'm honestly always here for support. Like I think the worst thing you can do is just like give someone advice and then not follow up with them. So um, yeah, I am really like super happy with the ebook. That's amazing. So I will link that below for you guys. Cause I feel like, um, the listeners will definitely benefit from that because supplements are such a crazy, overwhelming, uh, topic for so many people. So that will definitely bring a lot of clarity for them. Mm-hmm. Thanks Gabby. Yeah, no problem. So just to end things off and wrap it up, uh, what are two things that the listeners could do starting today to improve their gut health and reducing their bloat? Um, so I would say two things. So two things that I would recommend one would be, 
Um, so this is like one of the easiest things you can do, but it also takes some practice. I would say to write down everything you're eating that day. Um, I would start from like what you're eating in the morning up until the evening and actually write down how you feel after that meal. This is something I practice with a lot of my clients and it's actually incredible to see the difference, um, you notice while doing this exercise. I don't think a lot of us, like even for myself, I often say I eat super healthy, but then when I write down my like day in the life, not to be like, not so that it's like triggering or anything, but let's say I'm I'm struggling with bloat, I can actually fully understand where that's coming from. So Mm -hmm. I think just writing it down in a journal and taking a look at what you're eating and when your symptoms are happening, it can really help you figure out what's going on. And then the other thing I would say is, um, again, something super easy, but also difficult to practice um, is just eating with no distraction. So next time you're having like for your next meal, just put your phone away, um, no podcast, no TV, and just eat with what's in front of you. It's difficult to practice, but it seriously makes like food so much more enjoyable. And it really does help to reduce bloat. Those are definitely two big game changer tips mm-hmm. for sure. And I think even for, oh, sorry, I just wanted to say even for whenever like I get an inquiry about like a client working with me and because they suffer with bloat, I always say to do those two things first and then um, see how they're feeling and then come back because I do think it's stuff that is never ever, you know, um, practiced or like shared and I think it's so important because that seriously could be what is causing your bloat is that you're just eating with the stress of watching TV or being on your phone. Yeah, they're so like minimal. They seem so like tiny like people don't even think that it would do anything, but it's huge. Mhm. So true. Mm-hmm. Um okay, so where can everybody find you online? Um so you can find me on Instagram at nourish with jazz. Um, it's J A S S. And I feel like you'll probably write this down anyways. Um, and then my website slash blog are nourish with jazz.com. And I have a Facebook group as well. It's called the nourished list and you can, um, find me on there. Just send me like a request on Facebook jazz stupak, and I'll add you in there. I think that's pretty much everything that Mm-hmm. I use. Okay, amazing. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'll link all that below and I will link the supplement ebook too so you guys can check that out. Okay, awesome. Thanks for having me, Gabby. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I had such a fun time chatting with Jas. So be sure to check out the show notes for links to connect with Jas. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love if you could tag us on Instagram if you're listening and let us know what you think. So I hope you guys have a great day when you're listening to this and we will see you next week for a brand new episode.